Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, a portfolio manager at Rangely. With me, as always, my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. It has been quite a week for business titans putting their feet in their mouths. Both Papa John and Tesla's Elon Musk grabbed headlines with offensive tweets and comments in the past week. So, Chris, I guess I'll just provide a quick overview and then we can hop into the stories and kind of what we think about them specifically. Let's start with Tesla since it's a bit simpler. Last week, Elon Musk gave a interview with Businessweek where he promised that he would be less competitive on Twitter. And then when one of the cave explorers who helped rescue the Thai children criticized Elon's efforts to help call the efforts an ill-informed public relations stunt, Elon promptly threw that promise out the window and suggested that the cave explorer was a pedophile. So that's Tesla. We'll turn to the Papa John story because it is just as crazy. Late last year, Papa stepped down as CEO from Papa John's after blaming a decline in pizza sales on football players taking a knee during the national anthem. You have to remember that Papa John was a key NFL sponsor at this time, so I guess it kind of made sense, though not really. Anyway, in May, Papa was on a conference call, kind of getting ready to go out and rehab his image and get reinvolved with Papa John's. And while on the conference call, he used a racial slur as well as other remarks deemed offensive. The irony here is that the conference call was a public relations crisis prevention call. After the news broke, Papa John resigned as chairman last week, but over the weekend, he came back and he seemed to kind of have second thoughts. He called the decision to resign a mistake, and he had a lawyer request that the company form a special committee to review the facts of his resignation. The lawyer was even quoted as saying that Papa is not going to go quietly. So, Chris, that was a good deal of background. I want to flip it over to you. What's going on at Papa John's and Tesla, and what is likely to happen next? Well, both companies and everybody involved, from shareholders to employees, are very exposed to founders that have names and personas so tightly coupled with the companies that anything that they do and when they go off script, it's a big deal. You know, in Papa John's case, you know, they had the logo, the name, the ads, the shareholding, the board, the management, and, and kind of unwinding that very quickly was a big task. And this is not a legal standard. This is not about, is it proved beyond a reasonable doubt or clear and convincing or any other legal standard? It is a consumer products company. And if this is going to offend a large number of the customers, it's everybody else's job to act quickly. Yeah, no, the Papa John's one is the one that is a little, both of them are super interesting, but it's a little more interesting to me because it's tough for me to imagine a business that is more intertwined with its founder than Papa John's, right? Like his name is literally the business, Papa John's. He is the key person in all of their marketing material. And now the company has to, you know, within a period of six months, but especially over the last week, the company has to just rip themselves away from him, right? They're going to, they're going to change, they're going to take his imaging off of everything, but it's not like they can change the name. It's very difficult me to see. And I can't really remember a situation where a company this intertwined with someone had to pull back so quickly. So it's a that's what really fascinates me about this. And not just the marketing, but his trustworthiness and claims about better pizza, better ingredients. Yeah. I mean, his trusting him is why somebody pays for a Papa John's pizza. Yeah. The, the thing that sprung most to mind was Martha Stewart after the insider trading scandal with Martha Stewart company. But with Martha Stewart, you know, well, I think there was a lot of, I think, I don't know specifically, but I think the insider trading scandal had a, a lot of complexities to it, but that was an insider trading scandal. She didn't hurt anyone specifically. She didn't seriously offend anyone except for maybe the real security wonks out there. You know, like this is 
is Papa John's offending probably more than half the country. You know, this is unacceptable behavior. You have to distance yourself from I can't think of anything else close to this. And the Martha Stewart doesn't have the emotional impact. Or if you were going to buy a bed sheet and you think, well, I don't want to support somebody who had securities violations, you know, even when she was being penalized for it, the consumer decision could be separate. I would say for a very high percentage of people, even just buying a given pizza, there's a lot of competition out there. You almost always have an alternative. You could imagine that it would be enough to make a marginal decision on some substantial number of purchases. Yeah. And the other, the other thing I relate this to is, you know, you remember Tiger Woods a couple of years ago when he, he had his scandal or Michael Vick when he went to jail for having a dogfighting room. Mm-hmm. I mean, advertisers are so quick to get away from you, right? Like advertisers realize if there's a controversy, you pull the cord immediately and then you ask questions later. With Pop Shuns, you can't pull the cord. It, as much as they're trying, they can't really pull the cord. They're always going to be Papa John. Social media has been quick at exacerbating and doing kind of junior sleuthing about the different relationships, mm-hmm. you know, on something especially heated, such as civil rights and race and epithets. There are going to be people who say, let's boycott Papa John's, and then five seconds later are going to make the different combinations to advertisers and other people related. So that process goes uh, very quickly now. And this is not a unique point of view. You were even making this to me earlier today, but I do think it is so interesting. This type of thing, I mean, the companies that are holding themselves to the highest standards are companies that are subject to the market's whims, right? Mm -hmm. This is a consumer-facing franchise. They have to distance themselves immediately. I do wonder if this was a B2B company, if they would have distanced themselves as quickly, just because, A, they're not as much in the public's mind. I mean, Papa John's is only a two and a half $3 billion company, but they're so in the public's mind because they're advertising every Sunday and people are getting pizza from them. But if it's a business to business company, could they ride out the storm a little bit better? When you look at politicians who have ridden out storms just as bad as this one, and they, they're not even forced to resign, maybe they lose a year or two later at the polls. But it's interesting how the market forces the resignation just so quickly. Let me just refer for a second to his most recent explanation and just comment on that, which is that this outside company somehow tricked him into using the term it was role-playing and that he was taken out of context and then they went to the press possibly as part of a blackmail scheme. If any of that was true, he should have reported it immediately because that would have been the most benign version of this possible and not gone to the press later, but immediately gone to authorities and demanded the tape to be released in full. I think what happens here, and I've seen this pattern in a number of these type of scandals, something awful awful happens. There is some reaction to acquiesce with people who want to be immediate and total in an apology and consequences. And then a few days later, as you're dealing with those consequences, you start kind of unwinding the apology a little bit, unwinding the reaction and think, I'm still fairly young and have a lot of energy. I want to take all of that back including things that can't really be taken back. And so kind of starting to undermine the reaction. And I think he's in that phase right now. No, I think you're exactly right. Look, he he got hit with a whammy, right? He's got this huge negative story. He's used a racial slur. He's got pressure on all sides and he immediately resigns, right? This is, this is what I need to do. And then over the weekend, you start thinking, you're like, Wait, he's an entrepreneur, right? He he owns 30% of Papa John's. He built this business over the past 20, 30 years. He's thinking, wait, I, I just gave this up. Maybe he's rationalizing things in his head, but I think you're right. I think a lot of this is regret. Speaking of 
the potential for the future. I mean, I think that that's where this gets interesting. If you Papa John's, Papa John still owns 30% of the stock. That's worth about $500 million. So he's certainly got a big voice here. Clearly, based on his lawyer's comments, he's not going away. He wants to be involved here. So I think you have to wonder, what is next for this company? There's a lot of different paths this can take. I'll, I'll turn it over to you. What, what do you think is next here? Well, the company has kind of done the immediate things to do. I mean, the next step to further from here, extricating him from the company is for him to sell or exchange his equity and possibly to change, change up control of the company itself. Yeah, no, I think that's right. It, you know, it reminds me a few years ago, there was the men's warehouse founder, the mm-hmm. guy who everybody remembers him from. You, you're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. He was forced out of the company. I think they wanted to do a deal that he opposed. So they forced him out on that. And the next step was he tried to buy out the entire company. There were lawsuits and everything, but I think it's clearly untenable for Papa John to own 30% of this company and not be involved in some way. The end games are clearly. He partners with a private equity company to buy Papa John's as a whole and return to power with the private equity company backing him. Or the company goes and seeks a white knight to buy the company to get his equity stake out of there. The the company that immediately comes to mind when I think of a white knight, 3G back QSR, mm-hmm. which owns Tim Hortons, Burger King and Popeye's. They don't have a pizza franchise right now. I think that would make all the sense of the world for them to buy. But again, the question is kind of, is a company willing to go buy the Papa John's name when Papa John is out there making racist comments and having all this controversy associated with them? You would need some kind of gag order on him. You would, I, I think it'd be hard to give up the name. Could you change it from Papa John's to PJ's Pizza and kind of keep some reference to it? I think that would be hard. You could have some kind of new Papa John, you know, an animated Papa John yep. character that doesn't say racist things, says nice things. But that's, uh, that's a hard one. Could you try to bring in some more direct new spokesmen, spokespeople, possibly minorities, people who could kind of change it, change it quickly. You know how Oprah came in quickly on Weight Watchers. Could somebody come in and Papa John's and, and kind of try to rehabilitate the image? But I think you hit the issue earlier. As long as Papa John himself is out there, it's going to be very difficult for them to extricate themselves from this because he can go out there and he can say whatever he wants and he al- he can always create a headache because it's immediately tied back to the company, right? The other thing that I think might be difficult for the company is look, they're not really performing that well. When I just kind of pulled up their Q1 performance. Their same source sales were down down about 5%. Domino's is kind of eating their lunch or eating their pizza, I guess. Domino's same store sales were up 5% in Q1. So any buyer who's looking at this, while Papa John's looks cheap optically, they're going to have to factor in, this is a business that needs some love. It needs some turning around. You know, Same store sales are way down. They're going to have to fix that up. They're going to have to make a big marketing campaign to get past the Papa John's thing, and they're going to have to deal with a headache. I'm sure there's somebody who's going to be able to talk themselves into it because there could be a lot of upside there, but ooh, that's a tough slog. It's tough. It's very tough from the franchisee perspective and franchisees can be a miracle relationship when things are growing quickly, but when it starts tipping backwards and then you're competing with individual uh, franchisees, uh, if they try to dump it, that can be uh, tricky. I think for a host of reasons, it would be almost impossible to do a strategic deal and rebrand at one of the major yeah, I don't think you do a Domino's. Sorry, there's a, that, that one your franchisee point is great. Papa John's is a largely franchisee's business, and that's the type of thing private equity loves because franchising is a asset light, cash flow yep. heavy business. But at the same time, you have to keep your franchisees happy. And if you're a franchisee, Peyton Manning used to be a big one. If you're a minority franchisee, do you want to be associated with Papa John at this point? 
Probably not. Anyway, let's quickly turn over to Tesla. Sure. I think I gave the overview with Elon Musk going off on the pedophile rant with, as far as I can tell, no basis in facts or reality. I'll, I'll just flip it over to you. What do you, what do you think's happening over there? I fairly recently read the biography of Elon Musk. I can't look away from any of his various ventures. I'm certainly captivated by him and his companies. He does have a tendency to really like to control a narrative where he doesn't only get a question or get a topic that's referred to him and then feel like he has to give an answer that's combative. He's kind of, he often will reject the premise of a question or reject the way something's brought to him. And so the idea that there is this big problem that he wanted to be part of in the Thai cave rescue and that his help was being rejected is something that he lashed out at, but it's the kind of thing he actually tends to lash out at. Yeah. And, and I think your point of the truth was a good one. You know, I believe it's Tesla. He wasn't a founder of Tesla, but he negotiated when he put cash into it or kind of took over Tesla. He negotiated that he became a founder in name, you mm-hmm. know, that's the type of changing the story and distorting the truth that can be it's just kind of interesting and then i think the other thing is elon seems to be under incredible stress yes. you and i both read the biography elon is not a man who plays it safe i mean he got a fortune when he sold paypal to ebay and he immediately took that fortune and invested it all into tesla and spacex i mean he doubles down frequently he's overlever he's maybe not overlever, but he invests a lot of money into these things. And he's working in a very high stress environment with Tesla, which really needs to walk a tightrope between financial disaster if they can't ramp up quickly and proving that they can ramp up. It's under a lot of stress. And this is the type of behavior, these just erratic tweet rants, I think you see when someone's under a lot of stress. The, the quantity as well as quality of them has really been remarkable too. I mean, he is just constantly on Twitter. He takes, he's easily baited. He mm-hmm. kind of takes the bait. And I think one of the things that you really see with the production claims and the behavior is it actually kind of has this backward effects that the claims then start to affect what they are doing. And a number of the Chinese subsequently turned out to be accounting frauds, but of the Chinese kind of growth companies in kind of 2010, 2011, that started to get short sellers making accusations about their productivity. They actually went from being an economically rational business in a few cases. It simply wasn't nearly the scale they claimed to be to then doing all of these zany things to nominally comport with their claims, buying equipment that wasn't even close to economic, doing things so that they could eke out uh, consistency, going from economically rational to completely irrational. And then you look at some of the things going on now to simply comport with the claims as opposed to just miss them by a little bit. Maybe you miss them a little and explain. Maybe you're only making 3,000 cars. You hoped and expected to be more. And you explain why you didn't make it, explain why you failed. He doesn't do that. I think that's such a good point. You know, I think one of the craziest thing I've I've seen recently, and this is what you're referring to, at the end of June, they kept saying, we're going to hit 5,000 Model 3s in production by the end of June. And they did this burst week where they were flying equipment in from Germany at any cost and they they built up a production line in two weeks that was a tent outside of their production line so that they could just use this for burst production and it was the craziest thing to me because the goal is not to produce 5,000 cars and that's it you call it a victory the goal is to be able to produce 
cars profitably that won't have any issues in the long term. And I mean, if you're producing cars in a production line in a tent that was built over two weeks and you're doing it at any cost, like you're missing the point. They they were doing something super uneconomical just to prove a point. And I, I, he kept referring to, I'm going to watch the short, I'm going to watch the short spurn or I'm going to see the short squeeze and stuff. Once you start doing that, that's where as a kind of critical investor, I start looking and I say, something is really off here that has all the hallmarks of a lot of things that have seen shenanigans in the past. The last thing I want to say, and then we'll wrap it up, you know, just looking at Tesla and Papa John's, they're both very colorful entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs. For a long time, I think a criticism a lot of people have had of big business has been they promote generic suits to the top jobs, you know, people who are kind of uncharismatic, uninteresting, uncontroversial, uncreative. And as we move to a world where you can, information spreads faster than ever, and it's kind of easier than, than ever to blow your career up with one misspoken tweet where you say something inflammatory, I do want if there's an increased premium placed on actually being a generic suit, you know, it's kind of good for the uncreative, uninteresting people out there. Do you have any thoughts on that? No. And having some kind of, you'd say un- uncreative, but also just kind of systematic, kind of the company men, kind of the Japanese salary men, or the uh, kind of people who are promoted up through QSR, for example, in the restaurant area, you mm-hmm. know, just in uh, some kind of checks and balances, even if it's artificial, some kind of just personal helpers. You know, Elon Musk, the model for Iron Man, but Iron Man had Pepper, you know, uh, uh, and and that's what he needs and somebody who can uh, push back uh, a little a little harder. I do think the checks and balance point is interesting. I, I saw Lloyd Blankfein, Goldman Sachs CEO, is retiring in a couple months, and he said the thing he was most looking forward to was unrestrained tweeting. And I'm sure he said that, you know, joking a little bit. I, I think there's a lot of things he wants to comment on, but it does show people want to be incendiary. And if you are, if you have this huge culture around you and you didn't found the company, it's difficult to be that. But if you have absolute control at the company, you can probably be a little bit more incendiary and push the boundaries. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, I I think we'll wrap it up there if that's good with you, Chris. Very good. Perfect. That's all the time we have for today. Just a quick reminder, if you have any feedback for us, please feel free to email it to us at podcast at rangelycapital.com. Chris, I think our disclosure is we're short a little bit of Tesla and that's it. Correct. Perfect. Talk to you guys soon.